Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everybody. I hope y'all got y'all some pencils, pens, papers, um, your Bibles out, your laptops out. Um, we got a lot, a lot, a lot of information uh, tonight to go through. I was telling uh, Sister Ramonda, I was up a little late last night. I had to work today, and I got off work, and I took a nap, and I'm like, ugh. So if y'all hear me pause every now and again, that's me uh, putting myself on mute because I'm still kind of groggy. I woke up, and uh, I had all of my stuff together here, so I'm ready to go. All right, so let's have a a word of prayer, and we're going to get started. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this awesome opportunity to be able to study your word, God. Some people in other countries aren't able to study your word um, like we are, God. We just are open and free just to be able to learn all there is to learn about you, God. You're just an awesome God. As we study your word tonight, God, please give us wisdom, clarity, knowledge, and understanding. Bless those that are in the Bible study tonight and bless those that are coming and on their way, God. We just thank you. Uh, Bless Sister Ramonda, our facilitator, and her family, Lord, and just, you know, lift them up in prayer and lots of loves and and hugs from Florida for them, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So remember last week I was talking about um, this week where we're going to start at Genesis chapter uh, 35. So we're going to get through 35 tonight. We are going to skip 36 because basically 36 is about the descendants of Esau, we're going to touch on um, only two verses um, in uh, chapter 36. Then we're going to jump right on into um, 37. And if we get through 37, we might even touch um, on 38. Okay, if not, to um, uh, pick back up next week in 38, even though – 38 is about a little hiccup um, uh, with Judah. Um, It's still part of the genealogy of Christ. It's still in that link, in that line. Uh, When it mentions women in Christ's um, lineage, her name comes up, which is uh, Tamar, and we're going to talk about her. So last week we finished off at Genesis chapter 35, I'm taking my sticky note off. Um, We're going to jump right in tonight because I have a lot of information. Okay. All right. So let's arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there, make thee an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fledst from the faith of Esau, thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make their altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods that were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the tree, the oak which was... um. Uh, by uh, Shechem or Shechem. Here's the thing. He was in a spot where he didn't have no business. 
So before they could go into um, the presence of the Lord, they had to purify themselves. He had to purify all the people that were with him um, and get rid of all of their, their gods that they were worshiping. And, and you know, we know that Rachel, um, you know, she stole her father's um, gods when they left uh, Padam Aram. Okay, so now he's got to get rid of all that. They did that. They journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. Remember, the sons of Jacob um, tricked the the, um, the king and his son into getting circumcised and everybody in the city so that it rendered them weak, and then the sons went in slew the city, you know, the men of the city, and then took everybody hostage, okay? So after, so Jacob came to Luz, which is, um, or Luz, verse 6, which is the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him, remember, he has a slew of people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there, God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. So remember I said El Bethel or El Bethel. El always means God. The E-L and L always stands for God. So El Bethel means God of Bethel. Okay? God of Bethel. All right? And then it says here, um, verse 8, but Deborah, Rebecca's nurse died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alon um, uh, Bachuth. Okay, here's the thing. Remember Jacob's mother, Rebecca, okay? She had her own nurse, and pretty much the nurse, you know, was just like the nannies of today. Um, they raise, you know, they help raise um, um, the children, Okay. So it must be that Rebecca has already passed on uh, because now the nurse is there in Jacob's camp. Remember, they're only about 30 to 50 miles away from, you know, where they were supposed to be in the first place. So she's already at the camp, okay? So just know that no matter how many times we mess up and act ungodly, we can return to God. We first must repent, then obey. Okay, sounds easy, right? Well, we live in the flesh, and sometimes not walking in the spirit can get us caught up. All right, now the devil knows what our triggers are, okay? So approximately, like I was talking about last week, for about 10 years, Jacob hung out about 30 to 50 miles from Bethel, the place where God told him to go, just that far. Now, remember, though, 30 to 50 miles is not a 30 to 50-minute car ride. They were on foot. So it's about four days. It's about a four-day. So he was only four days walk from where God told him to go. But now remember, when you're traveling with women, children, cattle, a big entourage, you know, you got to stop at night. Um, so you couldn't go four days all at once. You had to, you know, travel in the light, sleep at night, set up camp, tear down everything, travel in the light. And remember now, this is hot. It's hot outside because, you know, you're in these desert um, towns. 
so for approximately 10 years, you know, Jacob and his family were not where they were supposed to be, or technically Jacob, because the Lord had told him to go to Bethel, and he didn't go. Jacob was walking in disobedience, and him and his family, they, 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 they paid for it. They not only paid for it with the rape of Dina, but now his sons, as you're going to see coming up, his sons are going to start acting out, okay? Um, remember we talked about um, Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Remember where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Incomplete obedience is still disobedience, not you know what I'm going to do, half of what God say, and he'll honor that. Incomplete obedience, still disobedience. So you're still um, out of the will of God, and this is where Jacob was at, okay, period. Remember I talked about faith is living without scheming, okay. God has given Jacob a new name, and now it was time for Jacob to live up to it, all right. Listen, y'all know, remember I talked about we start hungry on fire for the Lord. Life happens, we get busy, we get sidetracked, and then the work we start to do for the Lord starts to get put on the back burner, sidetracked, things like that. Revelations chapter 3, uh, verse 2 talks about be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to, to die, for I have not found your works per, uh, perfect, meaning not fulfilled, um, before God, okay? So just remember, you know, we're, our goal is to try to start something and then keep pushing along. Do you think that it's easy when you, I, I sit up here sometime at night and I'm so tired and I doze off, but I, I wake up, I push myself, and I keep reading, I keep underlining, I keep making notes today, and I have sticky notes all over the place. And when I read um, the scriptures, I, I affix them to my, my Bible. I was showing one of the, the sisters that was listening in uh, last week. I showed her yesterday how I stick my sticky notes, um, or at church yesterday, how I put my sticky notes on the on my Bible. That way, when I look at it, there's a reference here. Oh, okay, I read this. Okay, so I know what this is about, okay? So that way you don't have to try to go through the whole chapter again and be like, now what was this chapter about? I have like a sticky note reference on my Bible, okay? So now. Jacob took charge of his family, everyone he had around him. He called for a time of cleansing, getting rid of all the false gods. Everyone was carrying and worshiping, okay? Um, If you remember, I talked about false gods and um, um, being led astray by the um, cities and the people around them was always a stumbling block for Israel, Um, I talked about, you know, 60%, over 60% of Israel right now is Muslim, all right? We looked at Deuteronomy 7, uh, where all the nations, you know, were around Israel, and Moses had to warn them not to get caught up. Also, Joshua, uh, Samuel, the prophets, they continuously had to continue to warn the children of Israel, listen, stop getting caught up with the stuff that's going on around you. Purify yourself. Change clothes. You know, come back to God, all right? Remember I talked about um, changing clothes in Scripture symbolizes a new beginning, all right? So I just want you um, 
to remember that. Before God gave the law at Mount Sinai, Exodus, chapter 19, of verses 9 through 15. We're not going to read it tonight, but that's some of your reading that you can do this week. Exodus chapter 19, verses 9 through 15. Before God gave the law at Mount Sinai, he ordered the people to wash and change clothes because they were entering into a covenant with God. The same is right now what's happening to Jacob. Jacob is now entering into that, you know, covenant um, relationship. You know, Isaiah 64.4 is talking about that we are as an unclean uh, thing. You know, we, we don't have it all together. We, we look good and we smell good, but we just don't have it all together sometimes. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay. We just... You know, we're a work in progress. The scripture says, but we are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we do all, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And that's Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, all right? So he built an altar called the place El Bethel, um, God of Bethel. It only took him, remember I talked about, 10 years to get there, but he finally got there. But even so, in all his disobedience, look what it says. God protected him. It said, in the fear of God, you know, the terror of God went around to all the cities like, listen, even though he messed up, his family went in there, slewed all them people, killed all them people in the city um, because they acted out of anger. They was trying to, you know, fight for their um God still protected Jacob. Why? Because Abraham and Isaac were in a covenant relationship, and now Jacob is in a covenant relationship, okay? But, you know, you have to, as my old uh, pastor up north used to say, you have to get that thing for yourself. You can't wait around on somebody to get it, get it for you. And this is what Jacob is now doing. He is taking a front seat in his family. Remember, Leah and Rachel um, have been bickering the whole 20 years that they've been together. So for the last 20 years and then another 10 on top of that. So 30 years' time has passed since Jacob left the faith um, of his father and mother. And he goes, he gets himself, you know, two sisters. The sisters are bickering. Okay, so he kind of took a back. He's like, shoot, I'm about to go work in the field. I'm about to go out here and work in the field and let them gals handle it. So the women in the tent ran everything. The men went out and worked, and the women ran the home, okay? So you can just imagine how tight it was up in up in the house sometime, okay, because Leah got all these sons and, and a daughter running around, and then you got Rachel with one son. Okay, she got one son right now, and that's Joseph, okay? And remember how he lined them up in the order that he was a, 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 he was willing to lose them. You know, he put the handmaidens um, up there first with their kids. Now, mind you, those are his kids. Then Leah and six, all six of her children were next, and he put Rachel and Joseph in the, in the, in the back because he wanted them to, to live, okay? So the terror of God went before them, you know, uh, Jacob's people were protected. Um, 
just like, you know, years later, his people are, or his descendants are going to be protected in the same way when they left Egypt, headed to the promised land. The Lord protected them. Why? Because he was in a covenant relationship. It wasn't, the covenant was not based on Jacob's behavior. It would have been gone a long, 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 long time ago. Like, the covenant would have been done. It was based on God keeping his promises, okay? He promised Abraham, he promised Isaac, and now, you know, he's fulfilling the promise with Jacob. So Jacob was at the place God finally told him to get there. He finally made it to Bethel. He built an altar, he gave it a name, and then he poured out a wine offering, okay? So let's keep reading. Uh, It says here, Rebecca's nurse came, and God appeared, verse 9, we're in chapter 35 of Genesis, and God appeared unto Jacob again when he he came out of Padamaram and blessed him. And um, God said unto him, thy name is Jacob, thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name, and he called his name Israel. Okay, and God said unto him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. That's what that means. El Shaddai is God Almighty. Okay, so El Shaddai, S-H-A-D-D-A-I. El Shaddai is God Almighty. El Shaddai is Hebrew for God Almighty. So there's your Hebrew word for the day. (laughs) All right. So now um, he said, but Israel shall be thy name. He called his name Israel, and God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it. And to thy seed after thee, I will give the land. So see, even though the children of Israel was, was stiff-necked, stubborn, and disobedient way down the line, and even though they still do not have possession of Israel right now, they still don't have it, God still keeps his promises, okay? So all of that that's going on over there, pay attention. God went up from him in the place where he talked with him, and Jacob set up a pillow in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering thereof, thereon, and he poured oil um, thereon, okay? So um, remember I talked about oil, um, uh, you know, representing the spirit, okay? Um, we're going to get into those later on because it's, it's going to be a lot of ritual stuff coming up, and we're not going to get into it tonight because that's a whole nother class. All right, so Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke a faith with him, Bethel. So now the next thing we got coming up is verse 16. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was a little way to come to Ephrath, and um, Rachel travailed, and she had a hard labor. So Ephrath was basically um, the ancient name of Bethlehem, okay? So here they're on their way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. Okay, so the, the before it was Bethlehem, it was this name right here, which is which is Ephrath, E P H R A T H. That was Bethlehem. Okay, so back in Jacob's day, it was called Ephrath, but by the time Jesus came, it was called 
that and Rachel Travail and she had hard labor. So now Rachel's in labor. Um, you know, she uh, uh uh she wanted this second child so bad and she was willing to do anything for it. And you know what? She's about to give her life. But I wanna go back real quick. All right. So when God told him to go to the place, he said, Build an altar, give it a name, okay? So Jacob did what God told him to do. Then he poured out a wine offering. So basically he put the stone on the ground. He poured out the wine over it. You know, I'm telling you every time I read this. Now, let me tell you all you know, um, evangelists used to be a thug back in the day. Y'all know when we used to go to the funeral of somebody that died back in the day, everybody had their little bottle and poured out a little liquor um, uh, at, the, at the grave site. You know, everybody would have a little bottle of something or a, a can of beer or something or a bottle of wine and pour out, okay? So you you see stuff, like when you see things in the Bible, it brings that not memory to other stuff that we were doing and did not have a, a no idea that the same thing that we were doing, Jacob was doing, but it meant something totally different. He's honoring God where we call ourselves honoring a deceased you know, loved one that has passed on, okay? It's a different scenario, but every time I read this, my mind goes back to that. Um, and then, so then what happened is he poured out um, the offering, the wine offering. But remember, this is what I, this is the reason why I backtracked. Okay. It wasn't the place that was important, okay? It wasn't the place that was important. You, you listen. The the Jewish people were very attached to different people, places, and things, buildings, um, sites where things. Um, like now, you know, people still flock over to the Holy Land. Yes, that is one of my uh, things to do on the bucket list. Okay, but we as Christians get attached to buildings and people, places, and things, but a holy site can never replace a holy God, all right? A holy site can never replace a holy God. So now Jacob put the, 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 the pillar of stone there, the rock there. He poured the wine on over it. He went on about his business. He didn't stand there and worship the stone, you know. He didn't say, you know, ooh, can't nobody else come around this stone because this, this, you know, God was here, and I don't want to share this with nobody. This is what God did for me, and I'm not sharing it with anybody. We get like that sometimes with people, places, and things that God has given us or told us to go and do. And, you know, your girl here is guilty too. But when you read Scripture, Ask God for revelation knowledge so that he can show you, you. When you can start looking at yourself and go, oh, wow, yeah, that was me. Yeah, ooh, thank God for Jesus. You know, thank you, God, for being merciful. So, you know, just remember that, you guys, that a a, uh, holy building or a holy site can never replace a holy God, okay? Never, ever, ever. Why do you think that Moses' body was never found? Because people would have went there and worshipped him. You got to be, you know, be careful. 
when we get attached to things down here on this earth. You know, this is this is um this is not eternal here, okay? Um, so now verse seventeen, and it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass that her soul as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben Ani. But his father called him Benjamin. Now, that's a kind of a funny play on words. Here's the thing. Ben-Ani, because I wrote these down, I was like, um, now, why would she name that? Okay. So, Ben-Ani um, means like um, son of my sorrow or son of my misfortune. So, who would want to walk around with a name like Ben-Ani saying, I'm, you know, I'm the reason my mama's dead. I'm the reason for my mother's sorrow. You know, uh, uh, um, yeah. Names back then had meaning. So Jacob, you know, he he stepped in, okay, and changed the name. His father called him Benjamin, okay. Benjamin means son of the right hand, okay, son of the right hand, or son of honor or good fortune. Ben-Ani means son of my sorrow or misfortune, okay? So at least Jacob did his uh, last son uh, uh, solid, changing his name from Ben-Ani or Ben-Oni to um, Benjamin, okay? So that's how uh, he got the the name, all right, Benjamin, because that wasn't his original name. All right, now, some interesting facts about Benjamin. Remember I told you that Jacob's sons represent a tribe. Okay. So if the tribe of Benjamin sounds familiar, two famous people that we all know came out of the tribe of Benjamin. The first one is the first king of Israel came from the tribe of Benjamin, which was, guess who? Saul. Okay, remember King Saul? David had to replace him. Oh, okay, okay. Now, Benjamin is that son, okay? So this last son that he had is the, represents, he is the the, uh, descendant of the tribe of Benjamin. So the first king of Israel, which is King Saul, caused, even though God gave them judges to rule over Israel, the people wanted a king. They asked God and asked God and asked God for a king. I want a king. I want a king. I want a king. So back in the day, y'all, Saul was not bad, okay? He didn't start off that way. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 9, okay? Write these down, 1 Samuel chapter 9, okay? If we start at verse 1, we're just only going to read, um, Two verses. So first first Samuel chapter nine. We're talking about Saul real quick. Um now there was a man of Benjamin, that this son right here that just was born, whose name was Kish, the son of Abel, the son of Zeror, the son of uh Betarath, the son of Asiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man, a good and a goodly. This is, and a goodly, because I'm reading out the King James Version. And there was not among 
the children of Israel a goodlier, I didn't think that was a word, but it is, it's in Scripture, um, a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upwards, he was higher than any of the people. So, as we see right here in Genesis chapter 35, um, verse 18, verse 18, as Rachel was dying, she gave birth to a son. His name is Benjamin. Benjamin is the tribe of Benjamin. Not only did the king of Israel come out of the tribe of Benjamin, guess who else came out of the tribe of Benjamin? None other than our favorite apostle, um, the uh, Apostle Paul, okay? So the Apostle Paul, he came out of the tribe of Benjamin. So you have um, two famous people that came out of this tribe, all right? So let's take a look at it. It's Philippians chapter 3, 5. Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, and this is the Apostle Paul. He's talking about himself. Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law. Uh, and guess what? Look at, look at, look at, look at him. He was a Pharisee. So he would, he come out of the good stock of Israel. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He abided by the law, and he was, look at there. The apostle Paul was a Pharisee. Ooh-wee. Wait till we get in the birth of Jesus. Them Pharisees was something else. All right? So, there's a lot of stuff in verse 18, Okay. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, um, which is Bethlehem. So see, it makes it clear for you here in verse 19. So aren't you glad that Bethlehem, because just think, had Christ not been born there centuries later, Bethlehem would have been known as the place where Jacob's favorite wife died, okay? She was on the way. She died on the way to um to Bethlehem. So Bethlehem would have been known as the place of the death spot of Rachel, but instead it's known, you know, as birth of Christ. Okay, and Jacob set a pillar upon her grave that is a pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. And Israel, so now he's got the new name. His poor little favorite wife is gone. Okay, his poor little favorite wife is gone. So now it says here, um, Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Edar, okay? I was looking up some information, all right? So we're going to do some little um, background. Remember I told you that he was coming from a place called Padan Aram, okay? P-A-D-A-N hyphen Aram, A-R-A-M. Basically, that is modern-day Iraq, Kuwait and part of the northern Saudi Arabia, okay? So right now, back in them days, this was Iraq, Kuwait, and part of northern 
Saudi Arabia. That's where he's at right now, okay? And then he was heading um, to, uh, well, it's the land of Canaan, which is modern-day Lebanon and Israel and northwest Jordan. Some areas of Syria is in that too. So can you just imagine when the Lord comes down and makes everything right, okay, give Israel back that land, they're going to have Lebanon, Israel, northwestern Jordan, and some of the areas of Syria. Nobody's going to know that until, you know, the Lord comes back and makes everything plain. But I did some little, I did some research because I wanted to know what areas, you know, Jacob's out there roaming around in. So right now, he's roaming around our modern-day Lebanon, Israel, northwestern Jordan, and some of the areas of Syria, okay? So that's, that's where he's at right now. So when I say it's hot, it is hot in them deserts, okay? It's hot. There ain't no beach, ain't no sand. Remember, they, they lived in wells. Remember, they had the fight of the wells with, with poor Isaac. They dug a well, somebody else took it. They dug another well, somebody else took it. So at least Jacob is not having that problem. Jacob's problem right now is more inner because he's got family turmoil going on. Okay, remember, he's got favorite children, he had a favorite wife, and now he, he's, you know, got those two, he's got those two sons by the favorite wife. All right, so it says here, uh, and Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the Tower of Edar. Basically, what that is, it's like a watchtower for shepherds. It's between Bethlehem, because remember, he, he was on his way, like he's in the middle of Bethlehem and Hebron, A-T-B-R-O-N is where he's at, okay? So he's in the, 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 where the Lord actually told him to be, okay? So he's where he's supposed to be, but he finally settled down, pitched the tent, right? Okay, so now he finally settled down, pitched the tent, so now when somebody says, who do you know that came out of the tribe of Benjamin? You can say the first king of Israel, which is Saul, and you can also say the apostle Paul, okay? So that's who came out of that. All right. So Ephrath, another name for, for Bethlehem. Ephrath means fruitful, and then the other name for Ephrath is Bethlehem, which is house of bread. Okay, that's a funny, that's funny, that's the name of that. House of Bread is Bethlehem. Why? Because who came out of Bethlehem, out of the House of Bread? The Bread of Life. Isn't that just awesome? Doesn't that just get you all excited? I don't know about y'all, but it does me. All right, very good. So um, now let's keep on going. Remember I told you Jacob got family drama just like anybody else, Okay. So now we're going to see this family drama play out because, remember, Jacob is a quiet person. He was not a standoffish type of man. The women were running his house, and now his son's thinking they're going to take over because Jacob is a, is a quiet fellow. He's not, no, you know, he's not no tough guy. Now, Abraham, he'll get with you. Isaac was a little bit more quiet, and he, he lived the longest of all three of the patriarchs, Isaac, but you don't you don't read too much about Isaac. Isaac was quiet. He did what the Lord told him to do. He stayed where the Lord told him to stay, and he was quiet, okay? Jacob, on the other hand, he got family drama. 
pass when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben, now this is the oldest son, um, went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. Notice they didn't call her the wife. Every time I read that, when they say Jacob had four wives, well, technically, he married the two sisters, and the two sisters had handmaidens, and here it's calling them concubines. So, okay, not the wife. All right, and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12, because remember, Benjamin adds on to the 12, because you got, you, got, um, uh, you got two by Rachel, uh, six by uh, Leah, and then the handmaidens have two apiece. So that's, that's uh, what is that, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All right, that's 12. All right, so it says here, sons of Leah are Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Ishkar, and uh, Ishkar, and Zebulun, and the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, and the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's handmaid, Dan and Naphtali, and the son of Bilhah, Leah's handmaid, Gad and Asher. And if you guys Remember in the New Testament, when Jesus is going to the temple, um, his parents are presenting him at the temple. You know, they have to go after so many days, after birth. We're going to get into temple worship later on. But so many um, days after the birth, the parents have to present him at the temple. Well, one of the, and of the prophetess that is in that temple is from the tribe of Asher. Okay, and you'll see that when they introduce her, you know, that she is from the tribe of Asher. Okay, so here is Asher. Um, these are the sons of Jacob, which uh, were born to him in Padam Aram. All right, so now you know where Padam Aram is at, like Iraq. Okay, that, you see all that foolishness going on over there? Well, believe you me, it started all the way back here in Genesis, okay, because you got Esau with his kids. Remember, Abraham had other sons. We're going to see those pop up here in a minute. Um, like, it's just all kind of family chaos. So we can just look at, at, at poor Jacob and understand, you know what, whoo, he got stuff going on, okay? And Jacob came to, uh, unto Isaac, his father, uh, unto Mamre, unto the city of uh, Arba, which is in Hebron. So remember, Jacob finally made it home to see his father. He missed his mother, okay? He stayed gone a little bit too long, so he never saw his mother again because Scripture doesn't say that. But he did see his father. So Isaac, he's been around a long time. I think he's like 180 years old by the time he goes. It says here, where Abraham and Isaac are joined, and the days of Isaac were um, 104 score. So, yes, remember, a score is 20. So four score is 80, so 180 years, okay? So Isaac longer than the other two, Abraham and Jacob, okay? So 180, so a score is 20, so four score is, is 80 years. All right, Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons, look at there, Esau and Jacob buried him. So the twins, they got back together. They buried their father, and then they went on about their merry way, okay? So let's talk about this because we're about to hop into some family drama. So the first thing, Reuben 
Jacob's firstborn son by Leah, um, he slept with his father's concubine. Well, wrong, wrong, wrong. I was reading in the biblical times, okay, for a son to take the father's wife, one of the father's wives, remember, even though we're saying she was a concubine, she was a handmaiding, they were technically kind of sharing them, four of them, okay? So technically, she's a wife, okay? Um, for a son to take his, sleep with his father's wife or take his father's wife, he was declaring his place as head of the family, okay? So, hey, guess what? It's perfectly legal. Why do we know that? Because when King David took over from Saul, remember we were just talking about old messy Saul, he started off goodly. He was a good guy, okay? God himself to rule Israel. He was the first king of Israel, tribe of Benjamin. All right, so when David took over from Saul, um, he was given Saul's concubine as his own. So however many women Saul had, David got the whole package. He got the kingdom and the women, okay? That's in 1 Samuel um, chapter 12, verse 8, okay? So listen. In the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son, he wanted his inheritance right now. Well, guess what? It looks like Reuben wanted the same. Uh, he wanted his father's women right now, okay? Right now. Like, I don't want to wait. So he laid with uh, one of the concubines, which is a big no-no. So not only is Jacob aware but remember I told you, Jacob is one of those chill kind of fellows. He's not going to run all up on his son and be like, you know what, I'm fitting to fight you. We're fitting to fight. I'm mad at you. You know, you did this. He ain't going to call him out right now. Jacob is a subtle fellow, okay? So Jacob is going to wait all the way. Where are we at? Verse 30, we're in chapter 35. He waits all the way till like chapter 49. And kicks him down. So now Reuben has officially lost his place as head, okay? Because even though he's the firstborn, he no longer has firstborn rights. He lost his firstborn rights, okay? But he's about to find out that he lost his firstborn rights, okay? So family drama, and we think we have uh, it's easy sometimes, or people think that we have it easy because we are Christians. No, we are not exempt from trials. We are not exempt from tribulations. We are not exempt from drama. But just like with Jacob and his family, sometimes we bring drama and trials onto ourselves. When God tells us to go left and we go right, well, we, you know, yeah, we're crying and asking God for forgiveness and God shows us mercy. But sometimes, as my, my granny used to have to say, you have to eat poop with the chicken. So sometimes you dig your own hole, you got to hop in there and bathe in that dirt, okay? And that's just, you know, it is, it is what it is. It's called reaping what you sow. When I was a child, I used to hear the grown folks talk about reaping and sowing, and I never even knew what that meant. I'm like, what, this, what is she talking about? And my grandma used to say, uh-uh, don't do that. You're going to reap what you sow. And I 
what I'm doing. Okay, I understand now. I'm 52. It took forever for me to figure out that things that we put out, always, 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 we are always going to reap what we sow. If we sow messy, we're going to reap messy. Well, here's what happened. Jacob deceived his brother, took off, ran away, was gone over 30 years, okay? In that time, he was hoodwinked and bamboozled by his father-in-law. Then he finally meets back up with his brother. Now his mother's gone. So his beloved mother, Rebecca, he never got to see her again because of the choices that he made, okay? Now his favorite wife, Rachel, has now, you know, passed away. Okay, giving birth to his last son, which completed the 12 tribes of Israel, correct? Well, we know um, from Scripture that even though Joseph was, you know, the favorite son, he is not going to inherit. But, oh, Jacob is a smart fellow, okay? Jacob is a smart guy. So now Reuben has upset the apple cart, okay? The firstborn son by Leah he has now slept with one of his father's women, so now his father know about it, and his father is going to take action. Firstborn is acting up. Later down the line, though, he is going to deal with it, okay? So now Isaac was 180 years old when he died, making him the oldest living of all of the patriarchs. I bet y'all didn't know that. I didn't either. I ain't going to lie. I, when I was researching and looking up their ages and things like that, I was like, you know what? How did Isaac live? And, you know, less is talking about Isaac than any other I, uh, Abraham or Jacob because Isaac was chill. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. Abraham had foolishness going on. Jacob had messiness going on. But Isaac, you don't hear much about Isaac, okay? He was chill, all right? Now, this moves, uh, but two things happen. Reuben loses his place as head of the home, and Jacob moves up as now patriarch of the family. When Isaac died, even though Esau was first, he was not in a covenant relationship <clears throat> excuse me, with, with God, okay? He was too worldly for that, all right? Too worldly. Jacob or Israel is now entering into the patriarch. So it's Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. I know we're so used to saying Jacob, that's the name his mama gave him, but the Lord gave him a new name. So he is now Israel, okay, Israel. So this moves Jacob up to the head of the family, and he not only had the wealth that, that um, he had, he's now got Isaac. So he's got Abraham's wealth and people. He's got Isaac wealth and people, plus he's got his own. So now Jacob is, so to speak, the man, okay? Jacob is the man. He is, uh, uh, um, he's a big boy, but he's got an out-of-control household, okay? Now, in Genesis chapter 36, we are not going to read that because it's basically a chapter about the descendants of Esau. Okay, there's two things I want to point out to you. Esau, uh, look in verse 1, Genesis chapter 36. These are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Okay, so Edom put Esau 
equals Edom, E-D-O-M. That's actually a kingdom. It's, it's a very large one, okay? Not as big as Israel, but Edom is a pretty big. Uh, um, now, go down to verse 12 in Genesis chapter 36. And Timnah was concubine to um, uh, Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. So Esau took some wives. He took more than one. And out of on this person right here, he had these children, okay, or just this son. All right, this fellow by the name of uh, Amalek. Okay, now, if you know anything about scripture, but this is why we're here to learn. I kept thinking like Esau, I remember this name, this guy, I've seen this name before, um, something in there, is, and I couldn't remember um, um, what it was about. But Esau, father of Amalek, okay, Amalek was the, uh, uh, this, this guy started the Amalekites. All right, I want you guys to write this down. These were severe, severe, severe enemies of Israel, okay? They did not get along at all. These names are going to pop back up again. But if you look, these are Esau's descendants, okay? The grandson of Esau is started the Amicalites, okay? If you go to Exodus chapter 17, uh, verses 8 through 16, Numbers chapter 14, 39 through 45, and then Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 through 19, and also 1 Samuel chapter 5. There is a lot of like, like the Amicalites was a a thorn in Israel's side. They were never, ever, they never got along like they were supposed to be wiped out. It was a big old mess. But if you keep, um, if you read, I kept, I, there was another, um, I kept like thinking like, where have I heard, heard this Amicalite guy? Where have I heard this before? If you look in the book of Esther, okay, Haman, that messy Haman in Esther that was trying to kill all of the Jews, and you know Mordecai, if anybody knows the story of Esther, Mordecai was laying at the gate, acting a fool. Esther come out, what's the problem? He tells her, you know, what's going on? Esther got to save her people. Uh, 414 talks about, you know, you was here for such a time as this. So, same Haman in the book of Esther was a descendant of Agag, A-G, A-G. And guess who he was the king of? The Amicalites, okay? So it, that's why it's always good to study the Old Testament because, you know, people are like, oh, the Old Testament's not really relevant. Well, you're not going to get all the history because who knew that the Apostle Paul came from, you know, the tribe of Benjamin? Who knew um, that Saul, the first king, was a Benjamite? Who, who knew that? I, I didn't. When I first started studying uh, some, some many, many years ago, but I, like I said, I had sticky notes in my Bible. So when I turn to a specific chapter, I know what I'm looking at. That's why I'm giving you guys these scriptures now. So in the book of Esther, Messy Haman, where they, you know, 
that you know the one that planned that jail for Mordecai was the one he routed in. That's the line from the color purple, but I, that's what I use for that. When we get to that, when we get to that book, we're gonna have a lot of fun with that because I do a lot of movie subtitles and stuff like that. But um, he was trying to have old Mordecai and all of his people killed, and he is a descendant of Agag. Agag was uh, one of the kings of the Amalekites. The Amalekites or the Amalek, see it right here in Scripture, it's in uh, Genesis chapter 36, verse 12. He was the um, grandson of Esau, okay? So all the way, so isn't it a wonder that in Esther, you've got descendants of Esau trying to kill descendants of Israel, okay? Well, isn't that, isn't that something else? All right, so now, Genesis chapter 37, we're not going to get through too much of it tonight because Genesis chapter 37 is a long chapter, but boy, it's a good one, okay? It's so much stuff going on, and I just, Genesis chapter 27, and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. So now he is where he is supposed to be. He's in the land of Canaan. Where did we say Canaan is at? Do anybody remember? I'm telling y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm looking all this stuff up just to give y'all some information so that y'all will have. All right, so now he is in the land of Canaan, right? He's in the land of Canaan. Canaan is modern-day Lebanon, Israel, northwestern Jordan, and some areas of Syria, okay? So he's in the land of Canaan where he is supposed to be, and these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. All right, so we're going to stop there because this is going to get real good, and I don't even want to get into it tonight. So we know from the family dynamic that Reuben was trying to take over as head of the family. But because Reuben did what he did, uh, you already know that Rachel and Joseph were Jacob's favorite or Israel's favorite people, okay? Now Rachel is dead, so what does Israel do? He's going to put all he has into that one son. Well, no, you got 12 total, but there is a lot, 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 lot. Like, he really, really loved Joseph, okay? Because remember, favorite white child, all right? So we're going to stop there tonight because I want to end with a sidebar, okay? Um, it used to upset me when people would tease me saying, oh, all you do is study the Bible, you know, um, you you know, you're a miss know-it-all. You know, you always got your head in the Bible. You don't know everything. No, guess what? I do not know everything, okay? I do not know everything. But in my prayer and meditation time, the Lord told me to never apologize for having a hunger and a thirst after his word. I used to always, you know, uh, uh, can dodge and, you know, people with, oh, you know, did you go to seminary? No, I never went to seminary, but I went to a Bible doctrine class for about five years. They teach you Bible techniques and how to study. Um, I took a lot of the classes, especially, you know, these 66 books 
of this Bible. Like, I really took my time over the last seven to nine years and opened this thing up and went verse by verse and studied this thing. Do I know everything? No, I do not. I pray, I ask God for revelation, knowledge, and the Holy Ghost does the rest. The main thing that we want to remember as Christians, Christianity is not a religion. It is a personal relationship with a living God, all right? But personal relationships do not run autopilot, all right? It's easy, remember I was talking about, it's easy to have that exciting relationship when you first fall in love, everything's all new, y'all holding hands, y'all kiki, y'all kissing, pecking on the cheek and pecking on the forehead. But then after a while, you need a little bit more than that. You need a little bit more than holding hands and pecking each other and going out for ice cream. You need more. So when you study the Bible, you are making a deliberate effort your relationship with God fresh and new. Like every time I read God's word, I get excited, all right? I'm not saying this, you guys, to be mean, but don't ever apologize for having a hunger and a thirst um, for God's word. Knowledge of God's word will make people step up their game around you. Can't nobody just come and tell you anything when it comes to God's word. You ain't just going to believe everything that falls out of the sky, okay? You're going to, we are studying, studying to show ourselves approved. Do we know everything? No. But when we study, we feel confident, okay, about God's word and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and gives us insight, okay? This is how we learn to live his will, his way, all right? This comes from many years of studying, many years from separation, no elevation without separation. Study time, study time, study time. Read Psalms, you know, um, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Read uh, Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. You guys, I really want us to get serious about this thing because only what we do for Christ will last. The scripture says, um, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That's just for one eight. All right, so guys. Don't apologize. This is all a learning effort for everybody. God bless you. God keep you. I'm so glad everybody tuned in tonight. Next week, we are going to start on Genesis um, 37. We're going to talk about Joseph and his cutesy little coat of many colors. And then we're going to go into Judah and Tamar in um, 38. I call that a hiccup. All right? And then we're going back to Joseph. There's a lot to talk about with Joseph, okay, because God has his hand in everything, all right? So thank you all for tuning in tonight. Good night, and God bless.